right, everybody. It is another week, and we have another great guest on this podcast. So this week, I am going to be airing my talk with Thurman Holland. So it's so weird to even say Thurman Holland because if you know him, you call him Delenn. And I've known Delenn for like 20 plus years. So it was really good to talk with him and catch up with him. He also has some really good things going on. At the time of recording this, he was just named the director of bands at Claflin University. That's right. So going to be going back home to his home state of South Carolina to be the director of bands at Claflin. And so I'm really happy for him. Man, I'm telling you, these people, they're really doing good things, making big moves in the band world. And so, yeah, I'm just glad to be able to have a talk with him. Um, he's also an author in the book, which we'll talk about in, you know, deeper in the conversation. But yeah, enjoy my talk with Thurman Hollins. I am here with Mr. Thurman Hollins. And, you know, we go way back at least 20 years. But anyway, I'm really glad to have you on here. Um, Thurman is the outgoing, I guess I could say outgoing, band director at North Carolina Central. And before that, he was band director at St. Augustine's University. And he's got a lot of good experiences in our HBCU band world. So I wanted to talk to him just to kind of get a feel for where he's coming from. Now, he was on my last podcast, my fifth quarter podcast, but, you know, it's been a while since that came out. So we're going to get the scoop now. So how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for inviting me on. Good, good. I'm glad to have you here. So we are going to go right into it. Tell me about your hometown because we want to know all, of, all about you. Um, I was born in Conway, South Carolina, um, but I went uh, attended Marion High School. So, uh, we moved after middle school to Marion High School, and that's where I graduated from. And actually, that's where I got a lot of my musical background from as well. Right. Okay, good. So, yeah, let's talk about that. So, your, as far as your musical background goes, when were you introduced to music? Like, did you grow up in a musical house, or how did you get in, interested? Yeah, um, <laughs> actually, I was about eight years old, and I started taking piano lessons. Um, from this older lady named Miss Brown at church, and she had to be about 80 years old. And then I started missing lessons because I started going to football practice and stuff. And then in the middle of that, she passed away. And it was like, dang, man, I, I feel bad that I didn't go to all the lessons. So, <laughs> my, um, <laughs> but uh, about a, maybe a year later, my, my uncle, he plays trumpet. Actually, all of my uncles play instruments, and, um, but he plays trumpet. He had an old trumpet, and he just put it in my room and just left. He didn't say anything, showed me how to do anything with it. He just, and so I always kind of looked at it and tried to buzz. And he showed me one day and it kind of started from that. So, you know, went to middle school, started playing. And then, you know, back in the day, they used to play, um, they used to show Grambling and, um, and Southern on TV. Like, and it was like, I would always, I couldn't wait for Thanksgiving, you know what I'm saying, for, to see that. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw that, it was like, dang. I kind of wanted to do that for the band. My high school band was Core Style. And so um, my mom took me to South Carolina State FAMU game. And they played in 1992 at USC, Williams-Brice Stadium. And man, just seeing them back then in person, you know, the Sergeant Brothers would play the same songs and try to match them up. 
that junk, people don't understand how that was. They used, they used to play those marches and try to match them up in, in, in real time from across the field. It was dope, man. So I was like, yeah, I so I gotta, I gotta stop to, to educate the folks a little bit. So the Sergeant brothers, there's Ronald Sergeant and then there's Lindsay Sergeant and Ronald Sergeant at the time was the band director at South Carolina State. And Lindsay mm. Sergeant was the arranger, or I guess assistant director, but arranger for FAMU. And so yeah. that you have two brothers and they have like this rivalry, like South Carolina State's the 101, 101 and, and FAMU's the March of 100. So when they face each other, it's always like this, this thing. And so, you know, sibling rivalry, I guess. And so that's what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, man. It was just dope experience to see that. And so even though they were rivals, they still had this camaraderie thing going on too, you know, um, with them, you know, playing songs, to, trying to play songs together at the games. It was, it was dope to see that. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So yeah, let's, let's go back. I'm going to go back to maybe middle school or about to go into high school. So you said your your band, your high school band was core style. So did you come up in like a large size? Like, tell me a little bit about them and some of the lessons you learned there. Michael Foxworth was my band director. His son, we graduated together. We had a, it was interesting because uh, our band was predominantly black, but we were core style. The band had always been core style and still is. And so, you know, we would play one, you know, one show every year and master it and go to our thing was to try to get to state. You know, you got to qualify lower state and then you go to state and that's your thing. And so um, I had, I came to band, since I moved, I came to band camp late. And those guys, they chart their shows and they order their shows. And if you don't have a spot, you don't have a spot. So they had a spot for a cymbal player. So I played cymbals my first, <laughs> my ninth grade year um, in the fall. I played really? cymbals so I can be in the band, yep. Just so I could be in the band. And, um, but in the class, I played trumpet and baritone. Um, and uh, I played euphonium my junior year and I played sousaphone my last year. Oh, okay. So yeah. what, what made you want to be a, a music major? Like, you know, what made you decide? That, that was the path you wanted to go to? I, I think it was, um, of course, you know, the, of course the influence of seeing the HBCU bands, that was one thing, but also just the director and it's like the, the, the feeling that he would pull out of us, you know, um, it was something that was just a little different, you know, it was like, man, I love this. So at that point it was like, man, I want, I want to, I want to be able to have that magic you know, <laughs> and inspire kids to do that as well. And so um, that's when, uh, you know, we got recruited up to Johnson C. Smith and I was, I had planned to be a music major there, but I, when I stepped into the orientation, they told me they suspended the major. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. So I stayed that entire year, second semester, I knew I was gonna try to get all my credits so that I can um, transfer somewhere. Okay, so you start at Johnson C. Smith. So. So you chose Justin C. Smith because of the music program, correct? No, okay. I, I chose it because I think um, band director at the time was Duncan C. Gray. He came into the band room. He recruited like five of us. Nobody, nobody came to Marion High School, you know, to recruit. And he was like one of the only 
he was the only HBCU that came in, came there as the director and he sold it. He sold Charlotte more than even the program, you know what I mean? And um, it was like, I'm a country boy. I'm going to this big, big city. And uh, it was just like, he sold it to us. And it was, he, he was really convincing. Like, you know, um, back then he made you feel like you were bigger or doing more than you actually were, do, were doing, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and we had so much pride in what we were doing because he made us feel like that. Like he put that battery pack in us and we thought we was, we thought it was the greatest, greatest thing to slice bread for real. Um, and that's just how it was. So that he got us out, he came off and that was one of his, um, one of the things that he kind of told me to do, get off the main roads and go recruit. You know, when, when I became a director, like, mm -hmm. like everybody going to the same schools, go to the country schools and get those kids. And I was one of them. Yeah. Know? Okay. So let's talk about your, your freshman band camp at Johnson C. Smith. <laughs> what was that? What was that like? Man, that was the hardest camp. That was, it was hard. Mm -hmm. um, we had a, a student director. It was a student director. Um, his name was Kimio Murray. <laughs> and he had just, he had just got out of uh, basic training. And um, so he brought the military aspect, like straight, like even the old heads couldn't take it. They had to revamp the, <laughs> they had to revamp the camp because he had, they had us on the schedule where we were like, of course, like four, eight, four in the morning, we come in, we doing our calisthenics and then they were only giving us 30 minutes to eat and then back at it. 30 oh yeah, minutes. that is military. Yeah, yeah. So 30 minutes to eat and then back then it was a little different. You know, we had to, <laughs> We had we couldn't eat until our last freshman got in. Mm -hmm. We had to sit in front of our food. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, God, leave man. By the third day, I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this. Like honestly, they had broken me all the way down. Um, but seeing how much energy that band has, I understand the regiment. You know, I understood it afterwards. Like, man, they the things that we were doing were a little different. Like <laughs> we were a little different. It was a very physical band like very physical band. Right, okay. So when you were at Smith, do you remember any moments that you wanna talk about like opponents that you faced or memorable, memorable games or anything? Probably the most um, memorable game was when we played South Carolina State. Okay. We played South Carolina State and basically halftime, we took that total crowd and they couldn't get it back. It was over for them for that day. And it's mainly because Smith was entertaining band back then. We did things like cartwheels and splits and say, we said crazy things. And um, it just, it just, we won their crowd over like big time. Right. Um, and so I did kind of get that part of, you know, from them um, when it came to being the director, the entertainment aspect. Yeah, the showmanship of it, yeah. Yeah, the showmanship of it, yeah, that, that was them. Okay, so you know the, you find out that they're getting rid of the program at, at Smith, and and so you ended up transferring. So tell me about your thought process with that, because you eventually earned your degree from Norfolk State University. And so tell me about how you chose Norfolk. My brother was in the Navy, and when he got out of the Navy, he went to Norfolk State, and he was on the football team. So. I think um, on my, uh, it was on my, my spring break or Christmas break, he took me up there and, you know, showed me Hampton's campus, showed me Norfolk State's campus. 
And I liked Hamp I liked Hamptons campus because they had the boats and stuff. And I was like, man, that's kind of cool. And the girls was pretty. And so, <laughs> but um, and so I applied to both of them. And I made an audition tape. Tape. Yeah, a tape. And I'm I sent one to uh Mr. Walker and I sent one to Barney Smart. Uh, I applied to both places and Nova State took all 32 of my transfer credits and, and Hampton only took 20. Mm. And so that was it. I didn't know anything about Nova State's band. I had never seen them at all. Oh, wow. No, honestly, I never seen any HBCUs growing up besides the ones that were on TV. I had never seen Antti. I'd never seen Johnson. I'd never seen any of those bands. Mm -hmm. I only saw the bands that were on TV. That's it. Wow. Look at how just media has evolved since then. That just kind of blows my mind. Yeah. Cause yeah. you've been you've been the director of what three HBCU bands? Cause you were director at Smith, right? Smith, Saint Aug, and um and, and Central. Yeah, wow. Okay, that is something. So you transferred to Norfolk. So did you go into culture shock when you got into Norfolk State's band program? Yes. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> because I had never I never saw the band. I didn't understand what the whole concept was. Like I was just just came from Smith and we dancing around and all that. And then we could get to Norfolk and like stand still. And I was like, we're not doing anything but standing still. Like I, I didn't understand the, the power in that, in being able to have that type of discipline. And finally, when I saw when I saw the band on video after we performed, I was like, oh, we supposed to be like an army, like soldiers, like real Spartans. I didn't really get it, you know, because my first experience was you know, just, you know, really, really about just totally the crowd. Nova State thing was we're going to play our, we're going to do our thing. Whatever we do, and we're going to pull the crowd into what we do. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like, they, they wanted to be totally different, totally different back then. So when you got there, Mr. Walker, no relation to me, <laughs> was the brand right. director, right? And so you were also there when Dr. Sanford came to... Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that was that was a change, man. Yeah. You've you've been through a lot of changes between changing the schools and then in the middle of your time, you have a new director. Okay, that helped me so much later, because um, I understand what students go through when they are <laughs> have transitions in leadership, and so I get it. Okay, okay, good. So you, Mark, well, let's talk about your time in Norfolk State. Mm -hmm. Talk about significant games or memory if you have any like memories about any matches you've been through yeah a lot both good and, and challenged <laughs> challenging yeah. like um in 97 that was the first year Norfolk State went went into the MEAC and um Norfolk State was used to dominating the CIAA with almost 200 plus you know people and then you know the band kind of shrunk by the time I got there and um and so now we're in the MEAC and we're in the MEAC with Everybody seemed like they was, you know, had pretty, pretty nice sized bands. And so uh, I think my first year we played FAM in Florida. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was like, I've seen FAM like pretty much all my life. You know, I've seen them in person and I'm telling the Legion people that I could say something to, yo, we only, we, yeah, we're good, but we need to make sure we on our stuff. So I definitely remember that first game and how that heat beat us up and uh <laughs> and you know just seeing that big band across the field and it was just like just seeing that and feeling that 
now I wasn't watching it as a spectator. I'm watching it as a, they they trying to beat me up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, so it felt different. I, that was a big game that I remember, but I felt like we did well that day. Mm -hmm. um, 98 was a different story when they came up to Norfolk. And um, I don't even oh, I remember that. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't even want to talk about yeah. it. Um, yeah. I blanked it out my brain. I had PTSD for a long time until, the, until I got out of the band and went down there in 2003. I had to go down there and just see, you know, I was like, man, I was shook up by that. Let me see, uh, memorable battles. A&T was always a big deal. Um, I think, honestly, to me, both bands made each other better. I think we brought the best out of both of us and it helped both bands mature. And so I, I will always say that to anybody, because I was at that time, I was in that, that transition era of the Legion becoming the Legion of the today. Mm -hmm. and, those battles with AT made us step up and become, some, you know, different. Brought the best out of us. And so I always thought that was good. Um, we only saw Bethune once, but every time, every time we saw him, they was, yeah, 99. Bethune was a big, big deal. Oh, yeah, they um, were beasts. That was when <laughs> Mr. Wells first got there around that yeah, time. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I think those games, I, oh, I always... I always, Howard was always fun because they was going to do something crazy mm -hmm. or, they, or the announcer was going to say something crazy. So they were always fun, <laughs> fun to play to me. They were, they were just a fun band. You know, they, they, they went for it, but they always did something memorable in their halftime show that you could always repeat. I probably shouldn't repeat it here, but you know, but that's how they were. They were edgy. They right. Were edgy. <laughs> Okay, so you're a music ed major and you, you know, you, you go through your program, you graduate, and your first job is, is it at Highland Springs? Yes. Oh, man, even I remember that. Okay, go ahead. Talk, talk about that, your first job after you've completed your bachelor's. The Highland Springs had been core up until 2001. Until and this is Richmond, this is Richmond, Virginia suburb. So just right. saying that for the people who's listening. Yep, they have, they have been um, core style up until the time that I got there. I was the third black band director in their history. And so, but the principal at the time, the school was changing a little bit and they just wanted a little more excitement. So it was like, all right, cool. I could kind of put my own stamp on this. It's like a clean slate. I do have some core style background, but they want, they want to move towards the HBCU style. And so, what I did was I started camp like maybe like the second week in July and um, brought my drum majors in. I had to teach them what we were supposed to be doing. And then the third week, the second week, I brought the rest of the section leaders in so I could have this, the drum majors kind of help me teach them what we were supposed to be doing. By that time, we had a nucleus. And then when we brought the rest of the band in, it was like, all right, now teach them what I taught y'all. And it was fun to them, you know, it was fun. I let them create and we kind of, you know, you know, did our thing. Now, the other thing I did do was I brought in like people from Norfolk State, like in every section to help me transition mm -hmm. the band. And I marched them miles and miles and miles and miles around that track because they just they had to get it. We had to break. We had to break them, kind of break them in. And um, they had they had become a, a force by that second year, by that mm -hmm. second year. We won the national, the first national high stepping, um, high stepping nationals. My in my second year of teaching, 
which I think that wasn't good for me, but. Because <laughs> it put a target on your back, is that what you're yeah, saying? <laughs> it, it was just, I felt like I climaxed, you know what I'm saying, too mm -hmm. soon. So it was like, um, but yeah, I, I, I was appreciative of that and they were kind of winning everything since that point. And mm -hmm. I felt like I had kind of hit a ceiling and it was time for me to go. I knew at that, that point I wanted to be an HBCU band director. So from Highland Springs, did you teach in any other high school or did you go to Smith? I went to, I went to middle school. Oh. Yeah, I moved to Charlotte. I got a job at Wilson Middle School. They're not open anymore. Or they might, they might have reopened and turned into something else. But um, it was a rough school back then. <laughs> but it was a title, uh, what do they call it? Title one school. Mm -hmm. And um, if you taught at a title one school, back then they would they would uh, pay for your masters mm -hmm. and so they paid for my masters i went to winthrop and so um i did the middle school thing struggled through it and then the second year the band director at johnson c smith heard that i was in town and he asked me to be his assistant band director mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so while i so while i was getting my masters i was assistant band director at uh johnson c smith while i was teaching middle school during the second semester of my second year there, no, of my first year there, the band director kind of, I don't know, just stopped coming to work or something. And so they asked me to take over the band on a temporary basis for the second semester. And I finished my degree. The president called me in and said, do you want a job? I said, yes. And that was, that was it. That was the beginning of my, me teaching college. So six years of public school and then HBCU since that point. That sounds like a meteoric rise, personally, to, <laughs> to be, you know, you know, from you graduated six years ago, and then now you're the head of a HBCU. That's, that's, that's a quick, that's a fast track right there. Yeah. And so 10 years later, you know, I'm back at Johnson C. Smith. 10 wow. years from graduating high school. And so it was like, wow, this is, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. So you know, you're, you're the head guy now. Right. And so yeah. <laughs> at Smith mm -hmm. and like, what, what do you think was, okay. Tell me a victory that you had and then tell me a challenge you had while at Smith. Uh, the victory was, uh, I think actually getting those students to buy back into the, some of the old things that we did, but we had an enhanced musical side. You know what I'm saying? So they was like, they were ready. And um, I was young, I was right there with them. And I think, you know, when you talk about victory, when you see your students happy and excited and actually believing in themselves, the year prior when I was the assistant band director, they didn't believe in themselves at all. Mm -hmm. And so just to get that pride going back in the program, that was, that was amazing. Um, I think, Challenge wise, when the presidents changed, and I could talk directly to this, the challenge was we didn't see eye to eye. I was brought in to grow the program. He wanted to shrink the program. Oh, and he wanted to shrink a program? He wanted the, the band, he wanted the band to be only 50 people. And so, yeah. So Why? that's a that's a conflict. It's just I'm sorry. I'm just trying to wrap my brain around that because I've never heard of a HBCU director wanting their their band to be small. But don't they know that that's like the centerpiece of marketing and things? 
that's what my frustration came from. He didn't have any HBCU experience at all and didn't really get that. Um, and so, um, and so that was a conflict. That was a big conflict. And so, yeah, that was the beginning of it and the end of it for me. Right, right. And um, and the program, because you can see since that point, it's been they've been having big big challenges of trying to maintain. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we had a lot of success. We had a lot of fun. Um, you know, I enjoyed playing AT in 08. That was a big deal for me. Mm -hmm. That was a fun game. And so um, I got, you know, the uniforms and all that stuff. It was just about enhancing the program and making it better than the, uh, than the way I found it. Mm -hmm. And so, because we deserve that too. You know, our HBCUs deserve it. That's why I never really wanted to teach in another environment because I felt like I wanted our students to kind of get the, the same type of uh, treatment and and educational opportunities as any other type of school or any other PWI or whatever. And I feel like I could give them that. All right, so next we've got St. Augustine. So tell me about that transition. How'd you, how'd you land that role? Man, all right, so this, this was interesting. I kind of got to go back to Johnson Smith a little bit. At the CAAA tournament, it wasn't a championship game. It was like a semi game. We played, Johnson C. Smith played um, St. Aug. Before the game, I got a call from one of the students at St. Aug's band. And they say, can we borrow some sticks? And I said, what, what's going on? Why did the director didn't call me? He passed away this morning. Yeah. I'm like, oh, snap. That's crazy. I felt so bad. And I was like, y'all still going to play the game? They was like, yes, he would have wanted us to do it. Uh -huh. And so we went through that, played the game and all that. And um, once um, my contract wasn't renewed at Johnson C. Smith, me and the president fighting all year, the president at, you, you got something to do with this. I don't what? know if you know that. You have something to do with this. Um, your family does. And uh, anyway, the tie to your family in Hampton and the president at that time, you said something to your parents, you said mm -hmm. something to somebody, and um, that president said, "Yeah, they they told me about your family speaking highly of me." Really? Yes. Yes. I'm. I'm okay. So y'all can't see this, but my, I'm. My mouth is just dropped open. Okay. Yes. And so you know, it was a, it was crazy. Probably you probably said something because it was a big deal that they didn't renew my contract. The field quarter's going on. I did the letter and all that, mm -hmm. but whatever. Anyway, but yeah, the president came talk talk to me about that, and she was she was like, "Man, you must have made an impression on some people or whatever." Um, but yeah, they talked about your parents, and I don't know. It must be some kind of connection with her, and that. Okay, so you're talking about Dr. Super. Dr. Super. Mm -hmm. All right, I'll tell you the connection. <laughs> so I went to high school with Dr. Super's daughter. We were saying okay. everything. And um, yeah. actually, so her ex lives next door to my parents. Okay. Owns a driving school, taught me how to drive. Wow. And we're, we're all in the same neighborhood. <laughs> so wow. that's, that's the tie right there. Okay, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> because, <laughs> because uh, you know, between that relationship and um, some relationships from the coaches going to St. Aug after Johnson C. Smith, it all led to me. And so I ended up applying for the job, getting the job at St. Aug, and um, just having to try to heal the program from that loss. Mm -hmm. um, 
that was the first thing. Let's try to heal them. And then we'll be able to do band then. Let's, you know, but let's try to get through that, the mental part of that. Right. Um, and so I went from Smith having 110 people to St. Aug having 11 wins. 11? 11 win players. Whoa. So you're like some kind of magic maker or something because how did you get from, <laughs> how did you get from 11 wins? Like, I don't know how big St. Aug was at its height when you were there, but I know it wasn't 11. No, um, we had about, I would say about 60 to 70 people, which is a yeah, long way okay. from, but they were, they were hardcore. 70 so you're talking about like right? a 700% increase or something? They, they, everybody was contributing, everybody. And that's when I learned something about creative constraint and, you know, not, not focusing on what you don't have, focusing on bringing out the best in what you do have. And so that's when I just started looking at, I could need players in this band. I need everybody to be able to, to, to contribute. And if they're, they're not, we're gonna have to do some extra, 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 extra to get them on that level because everybody got to be playing if we got, you know, a small, small band like that. And honestly, I, I wanted to give up. Actually, I kind of gave up. Um, I did two years there, mm -hmm. then I left and I went to, uh, I moved to Atlanta for a year, started my PhD at Georgia State, had an assistantship and um, I missed bands so bad. I forgot I about that. Man, you're, you've done more stuff than I can even remember. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I did a lot. So I came back and I was like, man, I'm about to just build this band up, you know, and I got back and we finally hit a good, you know, solid little, like I said, a little 50, 60 piece monsters though. They was monsters. Mm -hmm. and, uh, we put some pressure on some people. Wow. Wow. So now, so now what brought you to, to your, I guess I can say it's your current role for another yeah. what? 15 days? <laughs> but now, yeah, you can say it. You can say okay. It's your yeah. Okay. So what, what brought you to central? About 15 more days. All right. So <laughs> they, I got a call that um, central was going to be opening. Um, I was actually at St. Aug at the time and I got the call and they were like, yo, um, our school is about to be opening. What you thinking about being our director? And I was like, call me after, you know, whatever happens. Cause I didn't feel like, I didn't feel comfortable about talking to somebody about a job that somebody was else was in. Mm -hmm. And so once that's done, call, give me a call then and let's talk. Um, St. Aug was also going through some challenges then too, a furlough and all kind of stuff. And I was like, nah, I got to start looking. So I started applying different places. It was a couple of HBCUs that I actually applied, that I actually interviewed for and was really about to go there. And then this job came open. I was like, man, I, I don't have to move. They named me the interim director for two years. And um, I guess to me, that was like the best audition I, you could have is, is to <laughs> be the interim director for two years. Um, and they opened the position permanently and uh, they actually brought in people to uh, interview and all that. I had to go through the entire process and I got the job. That sounds exhausting, but carry on. Yeah, it, it was crazy. I was in, look, I was in my office and the candidate was <laughs> in the band room talking to the students. <laughs> like it was- Wait it, a minute. It was crazy. Yeah. So they didn't like space, so, so when you interview, the, if you're a candidate, if you're like an internal candidate, you're not supposed to come to work that day, period. 
Well, they didn't tell me that. So I'm walking around with, and they seeing me, and I'm seeing the candidate. Like, what's up, man? Because you know we all know each other. Of course. <laughs> and and uh, the the search committee chair, like, you y'all know each other? Yes. Come on. Well, <laughs> the search committee chair probably is not in our in our in our subculture. Right, everybody right. knows everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we like, yo, I was just at the consortium with you. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's all good, man. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel bad about that at all. Somebody had to get the job. You know right. what I'm saying? So it's just, it just is what it is. It's not personal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let's talk about at Central. I'm going to ask you the same thing about that I asked you about Smith. Give me a victory and give me a challenge. I think the victory was actually the students finally buying into what I was bringing here, uh -huh. you know, because it's hard in the transition, especially when the transition, when you're coming from somebody who's good and they have a long history and it's like, it was so much resistance there. And so once we started having them wins, we started having some, you know, some successes. It's like, you can't really say nothing about that. And so by that third year, it was like, all right, we can roll, we ready to roll. And so, um, hitting that peak of hitting that celebration bowl. Um, and that experience right there was just like for band. I'm not sure, you know, if you ever experienced it with a band, but actually they really, really took care of the band. You know, um, mm -hmm. we felt, and even that year ESPN was highlighting the band so much. Yeah, you I know, remember. It was so crazy. So just getting all that attention and the students just can see themselves and they got fans and, you know, it was good to see them happy and excited about who they were. Um, so again, I'm about student experience. And so um, when I see them happy, I'm happy. You know what I mean? And when they get in those, when they get in those experiences that um, a lot of other bands don't really get, like, we've done a lot. Mm -hmm. um, as far as challenges, uh, man, I, I can't really, it'll be too, it'll get too technical if I start. <laughs> right. I, I don't want to, I don't really want to touch that. I, all I know is, you know, the band program is resilient and I think I've been as resilient as I can, could be. Um, and um, I think I, I brought them through some tough times, um, student losses and, you know, just transitions and all kind of stuff. And they are some hardworking, passionate students. And I will just say that they, they work, mm -hmm. they work hard. That's a good answer, sir. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so let's talk about next steps. All right, what are you at liberty to say? I'm at liberty to say that I'm happy right now. Okay. I've done 21 years in HBCU band. I mean, well in band period. 15 at HBCUs. Um, I've done a whole lot for the culture and within the culture. Mm -hmm. And um, whether it's notice or not, I know what I've done and I'm a little tired. And so I really had to make a decision for me and for my family to take a step back. I had been going to band camps and doing band camps since 1991, all the way to now. Me and my wife go to the movies like every three years. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's so much that we sacrifice just for our students that right now, if I want to come back, I want to stop now so that I have the energy and have the health to come back. 
Burnout is real. The burnout is real. Yeah. And so I got to that point where it's just, I'm just ready to give it a little break, finish this degree. You know, that's important. It's competitive Mm -hmm. out here. And, um, and I'll get back in, in some form or fashion. Okay. Okay. I feel you on that. I will be still close to the country. Okay. That's good. That's good. All right. So let's talk about this book. Now, before we get into the book that you're going to be in, I know you have a book out now called Diary of Mad Band Director, which this is so, I have it on my bookshelf. I have it. Of course, I can't find it. I did buy it. And you got to come autograph it. But anyway, tell me, tell me about the book. Diary of a Mad Band Director. Diary of a Mad Band Director. I decided to write that for therapy. Okay. I couldn't talk to anybody about what I was going through, um, being in the position and going through so much. And I was like, man, I got a story. I know that somebody else is going through stuff, but there's no, they don't have anybody to actually make them feel like they're not by themselves. Because directors, y'all, y'all see us on Saturday and we smiling and hugging but you won't see us crying all week or trying mm-hmm. to troubleshoot stuff all week. So I wanted to tell my story, hopefully to inspire somebody, hopefully to make a director feel like, yo, I'm not crazy. And that's what, basically that's what all the directors said. Yo, I thought I was by myself. I thought I was the only one going through this and the only one feeling this. I thought that I was the only one that this happened to. And so um, that's why, I incur- and then I, the second half of the book is a manual for the directors that kind of help them from the time they get hired until the time they do their first uh, lessons in class or, or their first shows or whatever. And so we wanted to kind of give them a blueprint because a lot of schools you get to is no standard operational procedures for a band director. They don't know what to do. So I wrote it all out for them to kind of use the roadmap and a guide for them. So it's my story and then that as a resource. And hopefully that, you know, I know um, a lot of directors have said, man, yo, thank you. You know, I have I have uh, young directors that start teaching and they use the book to get started, mm-hmm. you know, and so um, I think it's going to be something that's, that's going to stick and um, I'm just proud of it. I'm glad that I decided to sell it because uh, right just it was just writing. It was just journaling at first. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. Like, and let me get it off my heart. Right, so, right. And now we're about to have another book come out. So Thurman, he is one of the authors of the of the HBCU experience, HBCU band alumni edition, the second edition. And I'm glad that he could get some time to, to write out some, some ideas and some things in this book. And so without spoiling anything, tell us a little bit about what your chapter involves. My chapter involves the story of the resilience of Black people and the resilience of HBCU students and and resilience of HBCU band students. It's about the things that we're taught that make us who we are as adults or or in society. The Mm -hmm. the things that band, the things, the non-musical, a lot of the non-musical things that you get, life skills that you get um, because of being involved in band. And um, that's it, you know, and just kind of going through history and all of the things that we learn um, that make us the people that we are. And I, I, I tried to put it together in the most poetic way that I could <laughs> uh, so that, uh, you know, so it could be touching and, you know, people that really kind of understand and feel it in a different way. 
Good, good. All right. So you will be able to get that book on Amazon at the end of the month, but either on Amazon or on the HBCU Experience Movement website. And so, you know, either or, but right now you can get Diary of a Mad Band Director. Can you get that on Amazon now? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So yep. just, you know, just wait till, till both books come out and then you can get like, you know, both of them at the same time. Yeah. All right. So we are going, we are going to wrap up, but I, I'd like to know just in your opinion, like tell me some of the one or two, maybe lessons that you carry with you now, lessons that you learned from marching in the HBC band. Mm. Oh, it's so crazy because I teach most of the stuff so it's hard to kind of like let me think. process it mm-hmm. yeah it's like yo i kind of teach in the way that i was taught anyway i'll say maybe one thing um one of the things is because i've kind of always been not always been but for the majority of my time being in a smaller program to really focus on being a quality individual and not um, basing everything on how large and how loud you need to, you can be. And that's in life too, because I don't really talk much actually um, mm-hmm. in real life. Like I'm real, you know, I'm real strategic and I think things through. And I think that's one of the things I learned about being in a smaller program. You think about just being a solid individual and sometimes less is more, you know, um, that's one thing. The other thing is just the pride, you know, of understanding our story. Because mm-hmm. I do, I mean, it might sound cliche, you don't know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. Mm-hmm. But I, I have to remind my students every year of why HBCUs exist. Why are you even here? Do you even understand that? They just think it's just a cool thing. No, it's a reason why we even have these schools. So giving them that history so they'll have be able to grow on it. So um, just keying into that story so to keep me grounded in my why. Mm-hmm. Why I gotta do this. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to to close it on out. Gotta remember your why. Um so I think you know it's always a pleasure talking with you. Always a pleasure. And man, it was good. It's always good, it's fun. You have listened to the HBCU Band Experience with Christy Walker. Interviews and editing conducted by yours truly, Dr. Christy Walker. The music is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. And you can find this podcast on hbcubandexperience.podbean.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Take care.